Welcome to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry, presented by Boston Women in Media and Entertainment, sponsored by Tech Help Boston. We all have stories to tell, and that's what this show is all about. When we tell our stories, we pass along wisdom. We give each other a roadmap, a way to see things in a new way. And before you know it, we're empowered to say, if she can do it, I can do it. This episode is all about the creative spark, the ability to breathe life into the seed of an idea. In the spotlight, award-winning portrait photographer, Carrie Brett. It's not that big of a surprise that taking pictures of people is her passion. After all, she grew up watching her father, Boston Globe photographer Bill Brett, do the very same thing. The real story is about how Carrie has made her own way, with her own style and a certain magic when it comes to connecting very deeply with every person she photographs. Carrie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's so good to see you here. <laughs> You know, one of the first things that I did was I showed you this picture of Gay Vernon, my former co-host on a show I did for a million years called Exceptional Women. We were in that book that you and your dad did together called Boston Inspirational Women. And I asked for someone to take a picture of your father taking a picture of us because that's what an icon he is. Yes. Let's go right back to the very beginning for you. I know you grew up in the little town of Hingham, which is on the south shore of Boston. We have listeners all around the world. Describe your town. And a little bit about your childhood. Hingham, it was not, not as big as it is today. I think there's probably twenty five to 30,000 people. So it's a little town. It's a little town. It's a great community. My parents came from the city. They bought a little cape, which was huge to them. They had four children under four years old. And I'm the oldest. Uno number one, as my dad calls me. Because <laughs> I'm the firstborn. My dad, let's see, he started working at the Globe when he was 18 years old. Crazy. It is crazy. So, so from the time he was 18 years old, he always knew what he wanted to do. Was he shooting even back then? My dad supported his family with a paper route at 12. He had the largest paper route in the city of Boston. The city even bought him a bike. He rode from Post Office Square to Dorchester, and he worked at Columbia Square, and that's where he sold all his papers. There was a photographer, Danny Sheehan, who would see him out hustling every morning. He said, you love the newspaper business, don't you? You know, why don't you come ride with me? Why don't I, you know, show you the ropes? My dad did love news and he, he did love the Globe. It, well, it wasn't, he first sold a record American back then. But wow, isn't that crazy? That's a great story. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your childhood and sort of the vibe in your house. Was there a golden rule in your house? It sounds like working hard might have been one of them. For working parents, in order to be very successful in life, it doesn't follow this guy. You have to be at it all the time. Especially working for a newspaper, you're working 24-7. So you work through the night. You get up during Christmas dinner and go cover a 9 alarm fire. That's what you, you do. You watched him doing that your whole life. Mm -hmm. What did you learn from that work ethic? We had a structure where I would see my dad in the morning for breakfast and would usually look at the globe and talk about what he shot. I'm sure he was really tired because he'd always wait for the first edition to come out. He lived and breathed the newspaper business. So he would shoot whatever happened. Then he would go back, go back to the barn and soup the film. <laughs> I'm learning so many things in this interview. You feel things very strongly. 
You have a deep compassion and you can sometimes get caught up in this. We chatted a little bit before we started rolling on this interview and it started when you were a child. You'd see a picture like a picture of a Holocaust victim or a burn victim, an injured animal, and you feel things so deeply. Can you talk a little bit about this? When I was little, my father could cover the byline in the paper and I could tell you who photographed it because of their style. Interesting. So there was this book. I would go to bed with the eyes of the globe. Like a childhood book. book. Right. Right. Instead of a nursery rhyme book, you went to bed with the eyes of the globe. Mm -hmm. Did you always know, Carrie, what you wanted to do with your life? I did. I always wanted to be a photographer since I was little. You can take a picture of anything. Why people? I love to make people happy. I love to have people shine as bright as they can. I like to create soulful images that tells you a different side of who people think they are than the media projects them to be. Or who you're looking at, right? So that when the viewer sees the picture, they get a feeling about that person, maybe. The thing is, especially with my covers, if it's a good cover, you're going to have a very, very strong reaction. So I always would say, talk good about it, talk bad about it, just talk about it. You know, you're mentioning covers, and I am surrounded by magazines for which you have done the covers. I'm looking right now at the Improper Bostonian for July and August of 2014. We have here a picture of Big Poppy. Talk about what it was like to photograph him. I photographed David when he won the MVP in 2004. I had two minutes, probably. He was in high demand. If I'm in a situation where I have two minutes or less or five minutes or less, and sometimes... You better come in with a plan. You got to come in with a plan. Describe uh, it for our listeners. So when David's known for being a hitter, and so when when he would hit a home run, he would like point, he would point to God, kiss his hands, or whatever yeah. the, the... He had a little ritual He had routine. a little, little ritual that he would do. So that is the shot. He's doing that move that everyone could... Could, could as, remember. Could remember. And associate with him. Mm-hmm. Big year for Mookie Betts. Front cover. Yes. Improper Bostonian. Talk about that shoot. Mookie, like myself, had big shoes to fill. I just remember everyone saying, you know, he's the new poppy. I thought, well, this is a lot for a a young person to have to come into this and lead the team. Uh, He's a beautiful soul. He really is. And I see that in the picture. And I had to laugh because I said to him, if this doesn't work out, you got a modeling career ahead of you. (laughs) (laughs) Some people, though, really don't like having their picture taken. How do you break down that wall when you have a subject who's just like, oh, I, I, I hate this part? I would say most people hate to be photographed. Like most people don't like to go to the dentist. They come in with a lot of terror around it. I get their trust right away, and I have their best interests at heart. They've seen what I've done for the other athletes. They're like, well, if she did right by so-and-so, then she'll do right by me. If she can take Big Poppy's picture, she can take mine too, right? right. How do you define creativity, Carrie Brett? It's like the air that I breathe. Without photography, I don't really know who I am. It's that much of It's part that of- much a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. 2011, big year for you. Boston Inspirational Women, photographs by Bill Brett and Carrie Brett. We talked a little bit about this at the very beginning with text by Carol Beggy, forward by Karen Kaplan, CEO and president of Hill Holiday, who's also been on this program. Talk to me about the idea behind putting together a book to celebrate women in Boston. 
Well, this was an amazing idea. I guess my dad and I both really wanted to do a book on women because I think he saw how different it was for me in the same field. And he has daughters and granddaughters, and he just felt this was a subject that we both could do coming from two different perspectives. We didn't really know how it would work. You know, my dad encouraged me to just, let's start shooting. And it's all black and white. It's all black and white. Tell me a little bit about the experience. What do you remember most? I remember it was really hard and there was a lot of pressure. There were days where I would say to myself, I don't know how I'm going to do this shoot because the story was so heavy. Yes. It was so raw that I would be up at night thinking about it. And Who are you thinking of when you say that? Uh, Monica George. Talk about that. Monica George, she was pregnant with her second child when a seemingly routine C-section forever changed her life. She contracted a flesh-eating bacteria and was airlifted to Mass General Hospital to undergo surgery to stabilize the infection, which included the removal of several organs. She would have to have her forelimbs amputated for her chance of survival. So there you are, getting ready to shoot a woman who has lost her arms and her legs and some of her organs. How did you do it? I see the look on your face right now, and it's almost as if you're going back to that very moment. All I see when I look at that portrait is a beautiful woman with the most beautiful smile. Yeah. Someone who's so present in who she is, so grateful to be a mother, have her family, and to be alive. That's all I see when I see that photograph. To get inside someone like Monica George, Mm -hmm. you have to gain their trust and make sure they know that you have their best interests at heart. Do you do it by look? Do you do it by touch? Do you, How does it work? I mean, in like Monica's case, she was determined. So she had 35 separate surgeries, and she was going to walk out of Spalding, and she told herself like she would do it before Christmas. And on Christmas Eve, she walked out. And she's Oprah's most inspirational woman. Wow. I mean... <laughs> I just wanted to do the best I could for her because she deserved it. She absolutely deserved it. That is strength beyond. And that's so impressive to me. So motivational to so many people who have everything and they can't, they can't pull together. You know? you know, you had mentioned that your dad said that when the idea came about to get together women in Boston, making a difference, being inspirational. He wanted to do it also because it's it's a struggle for a woman to make her way in photography. He wanted to do a celebration of women. We didn't have a set list. I bet it grew organically. It grew organically. And, and that together is a sisterhood because women stick together. We do. You recently told me a story about your dad and the Boston Marathon bombings. He loved being at the finish line on the bridge at that race. And that is right near where those bombs went off. Tell me about that day. He wasn't there. He was in my studio editing for me. I had done a project. I had produced a scout guide. That deadline was was coming. I just couldn't make the deadline. So I begged him to not go. He would have been changed for life taking those images. Why do you say that? Because he's like me. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a woman sitting right where you are named Roseanne Sedoya, Mm -hmm. who was in front of the Forum restaurant and lost her leg that day Mm -hmm. and ended up marrying the firefighter who rescued her. Oh, my God. There are so many stories around that day. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, as Bostonians, we will never be the same, will we? 
You have your own beautiful daughter. What is your message for her, Carrie? I feel like I learn more from her than she does me in a sense because she was always beyond her years. Is she a wise old soul? She is. And I think that has to do with being a single mother. I have to go to work. I have to have this conference call. I have to pack my bags on a moment's notice. And you're going to have to go to Grammys and, you know, Papa's. You know, people will often say to me, you know, Candy, what are you most proud of? And my answer is always having been a single mom for 15 years, raising my children by myself. Mm -hmm. It's my greatest accomplishment. I'm going to guess you feel the same way. I mean, no one goes into life choosing to be a single mother. Absolutely not. And it truly is the hardest thing you can ever do. Or you can reframe that and say, this is the deal and we're going to have a great life. One of the things that I used to say to my children too was that far be it for me to think that I'm the beginning and the end of your world. I got to get a village together here mm -hmm. and I'm going to bring together people that I love, that I trust, that I think can teach you things. You mentioned your parents. You got to bring people together to help you out because you really can't do it by yourself. Right. Most people always ask the same question all the time. You know, they know my father because my father's so... He's an icon. You know, he's everywhere. Yep. Well, how influential was your dad? And it always goes back to my dad. It always goes back to my dad. Well, without my mom, my mom was raising the four of us while well, my dad could support us. What did you learn from her? Is she a role model for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel grateful that without her help support my father or without my mom supporting me by taking care of my daughter, I would never have been able to do any of these shoots. I mean, that first portrait of Poppy when he was MVP, my daughter was brand new baby. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? What's your philosophy on obstacles? Life is full of problems. If it's a day that ends in a while, there's going to be lots of obstacles. There's so many other things that are important, and you have to channel your energy in a certain way. So you have to just accept them and just be like, okay, how are we going to get from A to B? You know, you just can't fall apart all the time. You won't be very good. I have found that adversity is a great teacher. What mm -hmm. have you learned during the hardest times in your life? That when I thought it wasn't possible, I could do it. At your core, you really are an entrepreneur, Carrie. That is what you are. And that is a hard row to hoe. What does it take to be really, truly successful in your field? The numbers of success are not very good. It's a very, very competitive field. I'm not one to discourage anyone. But how bad do you want it is what I want to know. Because you have to want it really bad. Do you also have to figure out how you're going to distinguish yourself from the next person? Is that part of the process or is that where the creativity comes in and you either have it or you don't? Is it like talent yeah. as a performer, a singer, a musician? Is it pure talent? Please support our sponsors. They make this show possible. More than 30,000 families and businesses have trusted TechHelpBoston.com since the year 2000. Dave Elmazian, president of TechHelpBoston, with the reasons why. We like to establish a relationship with our customers, and the best way to do that is see them in their natural setting, so to speak, and that's in their home. We come to you, we work with you on your equipment in a setting that's comfortable for you, and also we can test better that way, because if you have a printing problem or whatever, and we bring it to a shop, it may work great in the shop, but it might not work in your home. So this way we know for sure everything is working the way that it should. TechHelpBoston.com. Their experts will come to your home or office to fix your computer same day, next day, and weekends too. Visit TechHelpBoston.com. That's TechHelpBoston.com. 
Donnie Wahlberg was quoted one time in the Improper Bostonian, and he said, it's where preparation meets opportunity. There's no denying that Mark has lots of talent, but if that door was going to open a crack, he was going to kick it down. If he was going to, you know, do a Calvin Klein underwear commercial with Annie Leibovitz, he was going to be in Times Square because he believed that about himself. You've got to have a little bit of that. You can't be afraid to put yourself out there. You can't be afraid to fight for those opportunities. You better be prepared because when your time comes, because you don't know when that's going to be, you have a, a split second to make that either go viral or not. You have a creative mind. Yes. One of the places that you've told me you feel so at home and so creative is on the beautiful little island of Nantucket. Tell me a little bit about that love affair you have with that island. I first went there probably 30 years ago, and I brought my brother, Tim, and we all got back on the boat, and he said, I'm not leaving, and he didn't leave. <laughs> You're kidding no. me. No. He got a job at Sankety Head, stayed on the island, and said that he would meet his wife there and get married there, and he did. What is it about Nantucket? My daughter says the same thing. It's magical, she calls it. I think it's the most beautiful place in the world. I don't need to go anywhere else but Nantucket for me. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> it's your happy place. It is. The energy and the light, I am just so inspired by the beauty of the island that my, I'm, I'm just, no matter how burnt out I may feel, I would go there for vacation and then I'm gone. I'm walking, I'm running, I'm back and forth to a beach with my cameras, depending on the weather, it doesn't matter. One of my best fine art portraits, I had photographed a wedding for about 14 hours the night before, it was the weekend of Hurricane Jose, and their wedding was in the eye of the storm. And then the next day, the storm had lifted, and I could barely walk because I had shot so much. I went back to the uh, Madigan Beach three times that day. That's just the love of photography, for sure. And that's my next question. What is it about this life you have, this, this photography? What is it that you love so much? You know, what am I going to do next? You're only as good as your last cover. You're only as good as your last greatest portrait. So you can't... Rest on your no, laurels? you can't. There's no rest for a photographer. No, because there's so much to create. There's so much beauty. There's so many important stories to tell. Until you have your house burned down or a death and realize of a loved one and realizes no photographs, then you get it. It's very important. It's a very important profession. We are capturing something that will stay forever. At this moment, at this time in your life, what does success mean to you? The true measure of success for me is to help someone else, whether it's through my photography or the lens being secondary. It's meeting these relationships that doesn't benefit me, but it benefits someone who's in a lot of pain or doesn't have a way to connect the dots. Have you ever had someone say to you, Carrie, how did you do that? Nobody's ever captured that side of me. I don't know. I mean, when people say that to me, I just, it's right there for me. You know, it's not like I'm, I have like a treasure map and, you know, I just, I can just see it. And so I think people don't see their beauty and people's imperfections are, are what truly makes them beautiful. What's next for you? If I can do something of value to someone and change their life with my gifts, then that's such a blessing. That's what's next. Yes, that's the plan. 
Thank you so much for being on the story behind her success. Thank you, Candy. Thanks for listening to the story behind her success with Candy O'Terry. This is a series with one goal in mind, to shine the spotlight on women doing great things with their lives. We hope these weekly stories will motivate and inspire you. If you'd like to suggest someone for Candy to interview, she'd love to hear about it. Connect with her anytime on Facebook, Twitter, and her website, CandyOterry.com. That's C-A-N-D-Y-O-T-E-R-R-Y.com. You'll find all of these links in the show notes. What's your story?